And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous Starship captain once said, and as another famous Starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, we'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always, that's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now... Let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. We're going to be watching an episode together. We did this a few weeks ago with Star Trek Insurrection, and that was more of a uh, silly, it was a holiday, it was was a different episode for many reasons. (laughs) Um, Today we wanted... It was a movie. It was, it was a, a full movie length. too. It was a full length. Yeah. Today we want to do the. We want to give a um, a topic that's really important: the full life support treatment. So, what are we doing today, Larry? So we uh, did our poll. We had some topics up. Uh, we're getting so many topics in the flow that we didn't we didn't bring them all back. But uh, it was suggested last week PTSD, and we went, "Aha! That might be a good one." Um, in a very low-key way, we're all kind of experiencing – feels like we're all experiencing a low-key PTSD just from the ongoing situation. Maybe that's not a valid mental health point. I don't know. It's how I feel. We'll find out. But uh, <laughs> we'll see that. So anyway, but the perfect PTSD episode is, of course, It's Only a Paper Moon from DS9 and the saga of Young Nog. And so that's what we've got queued up. So I know we kind of sprung this on everybody rather late. I tried to hint about it Tuesday. So if you still need to scramble – the good thing about this is DS9 is on, as everywhere. opposed to Insurrection, is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, on Hulu, yeah. <laughs> it's on Prime, it's on it's on Netflix, it's on CBS All Access, and a lot of other smaller ones, uh, smaller well, streaming channels. Larry, so we, we had managed to pick, we, we picked the one movie for our 4th of July special that was least accessible on all streaming platforms. It was on a, on a few, and then two days before, it got pulled from a bunch. So, um, but... Just a bunch of little rebels. That's all we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, this is Season 7, Episode 10 of yes. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So we're going to give you a few minutes to pull it up um, and get uh, get ready for it. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to do our uh, life support treatment as we watch it. So we're all going to watch it together. And then as the episode comes um, to an end, we're going to do our other segments. We're going to do our K3 factor. We're going to do um, our uh, away mission and we'll open up the hailing frequencies at the end. If this is your first time here at Life Support Live, welcome. Uh, there's many ways to experience this. So we invite you to participate in the comments. We love the comments and sometimes we, we throw them up there. Oh, gosh, Larry, I'm always twisted. Where No, there, there. You're always- <laughs> <clears throat> um, we like to throw the in the comments and then we also, um, w- if you would like to join us at oh. the end of the show, um, you can join us uh, through Skype. Yeah. 
So if you send us a message at Life Support Live Host, that'll get you to us, and then we could we can talk. Um, you can join okay. the show. And if you're new to the show, welcome, welcome. If you're a veteran, you may have a pleasant surprise. If you're in the isolated regions of Twitch and YouTube. Oh, yeah. And, or if you're sharp-eyed, guess who finally found the little control that let all <laughs> platforms chat? Go to all platforms. So hopefully no more isolated YouTube folks. Hopefully no more angry 12-year-old, you know, my life has been ruined because I was ignored one Saturday morning on Twitch. Um, <laughs> Twitchers. So everybody, you can join us from wherever. You can come from Ollie's YouTube or mine or my Facebook or his or, yes, our in our interesting little Twitch channel. Wherever you are, you'll see all the chat from everybody, which, which is going to be awesome. Which is a big improvement. Um, thank you, Larry, for discovering how to do that. That was all Larry. So um, was, thank you for that. I was inspired by that series from, from 2017. So I thought I would. <laughs> Cairo is confirming that um, <laughs> he is in Twitch, and it's now full of all the messages. So um, welcome, everyone. Yeah. Um, Wuhan. So, oh, yeah, so different, different things there. So, Larry, um, while we're giving people a chance to pull up, it's only a paper moon, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, season seven, episode 10. Um, let's just get some context here because this is continuing a storyline for Nog that, um, started in a previous episode. Let's also get some big picture context. So, right. um, Deep Space Nine, this Sorry, is. Let me go get an expert. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> let me, do we have a Star Trek expert here? I don't know. Let's, I just I got some I got some stuff here. I'll try to muddle along through. Okay. So it's been a long time since I watched uh, this episode. That means like maybe a year. Like it's not it hasn't been that long. Um, but just for context, we are deep into the Dominion War. Um, the Romulans have joined the war at this point, Larry. Mm-hmm. And um, we're. Yes. Last season, as as the year before. And we've had some tough battles, um, and there was a battle in which Nog was injured. Could you refresh our mind as to what what happened? So, a couple of episodes, yes, a couple of episodes before this, um, the combatty episode of DS9 and the War Arc, the Siege of AR-558, which, by the way, Mini K3-558 was the production number of the show. What? uh, Yes. Look at that, Um, everybody got a little Mini K3 factor. (laughs) that's a bonus one so that was a prior episode just prior to this so yes there's a big a battle battle but doing it on a TV budget it's in a cave of course but uh, it was really well done Rick Colby directed it Um, but in the battle in the shootout uh, confrontation it's it's a kind of David and Goliath moment Um, but Nog uh, loses a leg he's wounded in the leg and they have to amputate it uh, now, you would think vaunted 24th century med- you know, medicine where they're sending people out disguised as Romulans and Klingons and where they're, you know, they're genetically engine- re-engineering people at birth and all of this kind of thing. You would think, okay, well, we'll just throw on an artificial leg. Uh, I don't know whether – they really didn't get into this, but whether it was because he was Ferengi and not human or just because it was so – such a major – it wasn't a major organ. It was a major limb that it really, really affected uh, Nog. And, you know, he had gone from, you know, we always talk about, or a lot of times we talk about how Nog and the late great Aaron Eisenberg now 
had this incredible, maybe had the best arc of anybody in any Star Trek. Oh, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal and completely unexpected arc. Yes, especially to everybody who was writing on the show at the beginning. <laughs> <I think. laughs> but he literally goes from a Pex bad boy, and if you Google that, you'll get American cultured. He goes from Pex bad boy, you know, uh, and the bad influence on the captain's son, to the first Ferengi in Starfleet that no one believes. Yeah. And then he, you know, and then he becomes like the In, the in most a beautiful bird. moment with Cisco. Where Cisco is really confronted by his values because he dismisses Nog as a candidate for uh, Starfleet Academy. And Nog sort of comes back with, isn't this what you humans always talk about? About valuing diversity? And Cisco's like, hmm, you're right, kid. <laughs> Put down your root beer and start thinking about directing yeah, yeah. the stars, Captain. Okay. <laughs> So that's so yeah that's Nog's poignant story. So here he is, Mister Gung Ho, um, and he's the one that's like he's just shattered yeah. by losing his leg. As we really, we really, we he's obviously upset at the end of AR five five eight, but we really don't get the gist of how bad it is until this episode. Until starts. this episode, yeah. Um, I should also point out, Larry. I don't know if you know this, but Libby says the production number was foreshadowing Life Support Life. So, you know, it's all connected. All these things are all connected, Larry. I, I don't, I don't, how does 558 foreshadow? Larry, if you don't know, then you don't know. We'll, we'll do another K3 factor. We'll explain it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, folks. So, uh, Star Trek Deep Space <clears throat> 9, Season 7, Episode 10. Larry, uh, do you want to count us down to pressing the play button so we're all in sync? Oh, <clears throat> okay. Everybody, hope you're ready. Let me get... My Netflix was on pause, pause. Okay, are we ready? Um, okay. How about just a five... Four, five, five, eight, go. <laughs> Larry, let's use the uh, Terran uh, standard way of counting that. <laughs> oh, you're so, so mundane. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. So, um, one of the things I really appreciate, Larry, about this episode is... We see impact of injury, psychological impact. That's something that Star Trek hasn't really shown us too much because these magical devices completely heal people. But here we see that the psychological impact isn't quite as easy to heal as the physical impact of these injuries. And that's a hallmark of DS9. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The tech, <laughs> More than any other. The tech doesn't always work right. Uh, things aren't as easy to fix. The hollow suites um, might need a little extra work. I also see the uh, the impact on family here. This is something I think media often gets wrong, is you don't see how um, mental health can impact uh, an entire family. It's usually so it focused on the individual. You know, just the average age of Starfleet people was older on DS9. That's, yeah, it was quite rare to see older Starfleet officers in Next Generation. There were a few here and there, but... Just seeing 
just seeing Nog with a cane and um, experiencing a different ability was uh, just so refreshing to me um, because you, you don't really see that in Star Trek. There's what was a character in Star Trek The Next Generation who had a um, uh, a wheelchair type of device. It was an early season episode. Um, it was the ad- uh, yes, it was Clayton Romer's character. Yeah. yeah. So we see that we see that character. Obviously, Jordy is another character, but it's it's rare to see characters with uh, different levels of abilities or with different aids. Just look at uh, Kira and Lita are both Bajoran clapping. Just so you, just cool. I always appreciate the Bajoran clapping. Uh. <laughs> Linda says there's quite a few in season one. Um, Linda, let me let me know what examples you're thinking of because I, I um, not remembering too many. Sorry, I haven't been watching the chat. I've been watching the show. Yeah, we're doing like three things at once. <laughs> we're like watching that. Ezra, we're talking. Uh, we're keeping up with the comments. Ezra's looking like she's in counseling-ish mode here. So right, um, and this is. Uh, if I remember everything correctly about it's this episode. Been long... Oh, wait, wrong show. <laughs> Larry, there are times where I love doing this show with you, and that was one. Um, <laughs> that was not one. <laughs> so, I, I think you're right. From what I remember, this episode features pretty good counseling um where you're gonna get the play-by-play commentary from me uh larry i love this intro i love this intro so much um any any juicy nuggets here from the k3 um factor mind of Dr. Larry Nemechek about this intro on, on, on the opening titles what do you mean yeah well okay so it was changed season three to four, right? To make it look like there's actually people who want to be here at Deep Space. Well, Center. for one thing, they added, when the Defiant came in season three, they added the Defiant to the opening titles. And they also delanguished <laughs> the theme a little bit. They revved it up just a little bit and added a little more orchestration where it's not so, you know, ballet in a vacuum. Right kind of feeling see like all of the you know if you watch those first two seasons oh and i love just seeing that that person fixing the station there it just gives you a sense of the scale which is some sometimes hard to get in star trek you you don't quite have an idea of how big these ships are um so i love that person that was added right there it took a lot of i remember was it this show yeah it was i remember i was working in licensing and dan curry came by for some reason and uh, he's like, Larry, you want to see something? And he had the tape of the new credits. He was, I was like, oh, there's a couple of tweaks. I mean, I was like being my in the moment guy. But it was a huge, it was all these things we were just talking about. Okay, here we Rose, go. Rose says, does the clapping remind you about Galaxy Quest? And it kind of does. Yeah, yeah, the Thermians, yes. So here she is counseling. Right. And the Alamo mentioned. So... So one of the things that I I do like about this style of counseling. So she's visiting him at his quarters. Um, I don't know if he he still shares quarters with um, with Jake. I don't. I don't know if he did. I've forgotten whether whether he's yeah. qualified for his own as a. We'll, we'll find out. But um, 
So this really very much mirrors what it's like to be a therapist in the armed forces, because boundaries are a bit more blurred. Um, you live with the same people you're supporting. So it's not quite as clear cut as it would be if you're seeing someone as a civilian. Um, you do make quarter visits like this. You do uh, blur those boundaries that, that normally would be there. So he's got some psychosomatic... Uh, yes. He's talking about his leg hurting when it shouldn't by all standards. And Anson was so potsy directed this episode. Yes. Yes. And this is the second of the two he did for DS9. He did four on Voyage. Um, this is something we also don't see very much on, on Star Trek is a psychological problem that is also impacting a physical ability. It gets to the whole mind-body connection. There's a lot of reasons why someone might be using a cane, even if doctors are saying you don't need it. So a few things. One is um, it, it might cause a lot of anxiety to not use the cane. Larry, I broke my leg about 12 years ago, and once it was fully healed, it was really hard for me to let go of those crutches. Because I, I was so afraid of, of falling or what if something happens? And it does hurt, actually, as you start to use those muscles again, build up that strength because you've so much gotten used to it. The other thing is people treat you very differently, um, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. If you have some type of aid like a cane or crutches or a brace, um, this isn't a problem with Star Trek, but sometimes people will open the door for you if they see that. And um, it can be scary to let go of that. Um, we also know that people who have, I, I don't know how these prosthetics work in Star Trek, but we do know people who've lost limbs in in real life right now, they might experience phantom pain. So they might, let's say you've had your arm amputated, you might still experience pain where your arm used to be, even though you don't have an arm anymore. So there's, there's a lot, it's not that easy to just have a prosthetic attached and to move on. There's a lot of psychological healing that has to happen as a result. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was watching the episode. Uh, what were you saying there? No. <laughs> Larry, I said important psychological mental health stuff. <laughs> Listen to me, Larry. Yeah. I'll be seeing you, which was a big World War II song, was a, a, was featured in uh, AR-558 too as a mood piece. Just... Not to detract from the excellent early dose of Counselor's Log you were giving us there. Well, and Esri here just said, like, let's see how this plays out. Esri is not jumping in to try and um, quickly change stuff. So I love that about her in this episode. That uh, One of the biggest tools we have as therapists is the relationship we have with our patients or clients. If we compromise on that relationship, then there's nothing. The, fa the best counseling skills will not help you. Um, there you go. There's a song. There's your question answered. Oh, They're right. They are living together. Three days. And you're not 13. <laughs> <laughs> what a joy it's been to see them grow up and their friendship change, too, over all the seasons. This is something that Deep Space Nine does so well, is these friendship family, father, son, um, husband, wife. 
falling in love, mourning the loss of a loved one? There's been more than one uh, 90s and, and black culture documentary that Ira and others have taken to task when they mention pioneering shows showing black families and father sons. They always they never include DS9. Like, yeah. sorry, you were syndicated, which means you didn't exist. You know? I, I think Deep Space Nine gets gets missed out a lot there's there's some sometimes you see it in these rankings um of really important shows as it relates to uh black americans and um oftentimes it gets missed out um but black lives always mattered on on uh, star trek deep space nine there's a great matter too but nobody you know says that there's a great question here from um scott Dr. Ali, I've always wondered, what are the ethics of Esri discussing Nog as a patient in such detail with Cisco? Is that a military allowance? Really great question, Scott. I rarely get questions about ethics like this. Uh, so uh, here's a quick thing to answer that question is, as a therapist... I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> as a therapist, you always have to ask yourself, who's your, who is your patient? Who's your client? When you're a civilian and you're seeing someone just yourself, um, the therapist client is you. But if you're a therapist in the military, the client is the military. For Esri, the client is Starfleet. So her ethical imperative is what's in the best interest of the mission, what's in the best interest of the crew, what's in the best interest of Starfleet. So... While she has to retain some of his confidentiality, she has to report to her commanding officer about the mental fitness of Nog and when he might be ready to return to duty. That very much mirrors how it works to be a uh, mental health uh, counselor in um, in the military. Plus, overlapping here, it's you've got you've got the service, which is for the initial, you know, what's his HIPAA <laughs> privacy requirement there, right? But also, but there, it's also the overlay of the family. They're all family. It's been seven seasons, six and a half seasons. So, uh, but you've got the family element there that transcends regulations sometimes. So, Larry, here, oh, we're getting the flashback. That, I was just going to ask you if we should <laughs> remind folks of why this sound or why this song um, so resonates with him. It's. Yes, because Nog was a big World War II history buff, and he just loved the pop culture of the... No, that's, it's playing while, during his recovery here. Requisite blinky. Love wishing well. <laughs> uh, hey, we got some singing here. I think that uh, we already had one impression, and we got some singing here, so I think uh, we're <laughs> doing pretty well on the, on the live Sorry, everybody, I've been bad. I've been distracted from the chat, everybody. I'm sorry. Uh, I've got something better than Ali to take up my... <laughs> I almost watched this first, and I thought, no, 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 I'm going to keep it fresh. Yeah. God, Jimmy Derry. I also want to give a shout-out to everybody that's with us this morning. Uh, I know that Virtual TrekCon is running, and right now my friend Darren Dockerman is doing his hour, and at 11, or at the top of the hour, Michelle Hurd from Picard is going to be the live cultural con person. But they all get re- – they're all repeated. For Larry, their yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't I'm just encourage saying, people to leave. <laughs> I'm just saying if you're not here – oh, wait, that makes no sense. 
thank you if you're here. You can catch all that later is what I'm saying. Uh, Libby had a great comment about um, Nog may have also signed a contract. So we, we call those release. So, uh, Nog may have given um, a release for Esri to speak to different members of his family. Um, so that's that's also a possibility. That's often typical here. So how cool of a hologram is is Vic um, well, uh, yeah so he's I, 11 he's turned up I love Larry that the next generation had a like a sentient hologram and it was uh, you know he tried to like take over the ship and do all that sort of stuff uh, with Moriarty, Moriarty in that um, those both those episodes here I love that like they made Vic very uh, sentient and self-aware and he's just like a lounge singer who runs a bar and just keeps the crew like keeps the crew's morale up. <laughs> it's just, That's it's yeah. so deep yeah. I love that. Well, you know, there was the old TNG debate about um, what do they need Troy for if they've got Guinan and Ten Forward, you know? And this is a case. What do they need Esri for? No wonder they didn't need a counselor <laughs> before. They actually had one. It was mentioned once. So here. Um, Here's a beautiful moment of the relationship between these two people. This is something we always try to do in therapy is really not judge the person's experience at all. Vic didn't say, what's wrong with you? Why are you feeling pain? You shouldn't feel pain. He didn't say any of those things that would really uh, be very judgmental. Vic was just listening and listening in a very compassionate way. And it kind of opens up Nog. Um I think there's also something to say, Larry, here about Vic. Um, Vic doesn't really have a vested interest here where uh, it seems like everyone else in his life wants him to move, quote, move forward or get back to the way things used to be. Right. Vic's sort of OK, just wherever he is right now. He's like that. He's like that uncle that you can uh, just when your parents drove you crazy, you could just go stay there. Right. <laughs> Right. Who just happens to own a bar. And <laughs> He's a one-legged crazy man. I do hate that word, Larry. We can talk about that later. Crazy. And... She was in the layman's circle there. Yeah. So. <laughs> I love I love how they always pick out Jillian. <laughs> It turns. <laughs> I love. So clearly, suffer program. Getting back to Libby's comment, so clearly, there's some kind of release here. Otherwise, you would never just openly share this with all of these different kinds of people. Oh, here's. Competing counselor, amateur counselor, but you. The blue shirts you're taking over. Depending on your state that you're in, um, there's some things that therapists can do on their own, and there's some things that um, they might need a physician to sign off on. I think here, Esri has complete authority. Um, Julian's just offering his two mm-hmm. cents as someone who has a genetically enhanced ego as his. So here's one thing. I'm... Keep informed. 
yes. keep you informed. So here's one thing that I, I really love about that scene, Larry. Um, it's This gets back to the holodeck and ideas that Star Trek hasn't explored too much. Maybe with um, Barclay. Barclay has uh, an exploration of the holodeck and the psychological impact of it and quote-unquote getting addicted to it or stuff like that. Um, we this call it holodiction. Holodic- Is that really what they... I don't- yeah, that was the word they say. Oh, it's a case of holodiction. Holodiction. Yeah. I forgot about that. What what's great here is we're having that discussion and um, what this implies is some people do struggle with this in um, the 24th century and at the same time this is also Esri um, saying you know what maybe this is going to be the best way for him to move forward um, there's a lot of different ways to uh, rehabilitate from uh, post-traumatic stress and one of the ways one of the most important ways uh, that one of the most important things that needs to happen if you are someone struggling post-traumatic stress is uh, you have to find a new way to deal with your emotions. Because after you experience after you experience a trauma, not everyone, not every trauma turns into PTSD. What often leads to PTSD and all the symptoms of either re-experiencing, being very much on edge, avoiding things that you used to be able to face, um, experiencing a lot of pain, distress, all of that kind of stuff. What usually leads to a lot of that is your your fundamental beliefs have been changed in some way. And um, you're also having experiencing very intense emotions, really, really high level of emotions. You might be very hypervigilant. So one little thing can just kind of activate you in a way that it didn't before. So one of the most important things that needs to happen is you have to find new ways of soothing your emotions, of learning how to cope with your emotions, learning how to regulate your emotions. I think that's exactly what's happening in VIX. And it's because Esri said, you know, let's, let's let this play out this is how he wants to uh, to learn how to kind of uh, cope again. That's fine. Larry, it reminds me of like video games right now. Sometimes what you might need to do after you've gone through a very difficult thing, is you might need some time at home just playing your video games. And that's okay. Um, wh- something I often tell families I work with is we want these things to be a power up, not a side quest. So... If the holodeck is helping him achieve his therapeutic goals, that's a great thing. But if it gets to a place where it's really leading him away from his life, that's going to be a challenge. And that's exactly what we see play out in this episode. Yeah. Uh, there was a moment there that's actually the subject of my K3 today, but I'm mm. going to. It's a, it's, a, it's a mini. It's a double barrel because they're oh, both small. Oh, I think I know what you're going to talk about now. Uh, just for a few, a few, I didn't want to interrupt you for once. But, uh, <laughs> Scott wants Vic's sweater. Um, that was a nice sweater, Scott. It, it was very cozy. Maybe not for July 18th, uh, I, but I want the bowling ball that goes with that sweater. That's what I. <laughs> oh, Libby has nope. a great point here too. It makes sense that Rom and Quark would be next of kin. Quark is the head of the family and Rom is his father. So that's a great point, Libby. We, we, we want to be responsive to cultural 
differences. And it could be that in medical matters, things work out differently in Ferengi families. Um, it could work out that mental health and disclosures work out differently in the 24th century. Um, in the United States, especially if there's a safety or risk issue, sometimes our confidentialities can be too limiting. So maybe in the 24th century, they have a more evolved, flexible way of dealing with confidentiality. So Jake is trying to help here. He's mm-hmm. He wants to see Nog. He wants to see him on his terms. Let's see how this plays out, Larry. He's trying to help. This is... We'll mention this, but this was a very radical episode. When we're done, I'll tell, talk more about it. Mm. This is really, as a structure, as a story, as an episode, this is two recurring characters with the lead of the show. All the regulars are not, you know, in lead You're roles completely here. right. You're completely right. It's um, very radical. Everybody knew it at the time they filmed it. But what you do get is, every. it's like everybody has a, well, they have family scenes together. But it's basically everybody gets a scene with Nog. Like, here's Jake's scene with, not, you know, like, one-on-one. So for anyone who's just joining us, we are watching Deep Space Nine. It's only a paper moon, and we are about 20, um, 23 minutes into the episode, if you'd like to follow along. This was a BYOM, bring your own media. <laughs> yeah. So, we can't legally do it here. This is the first time we're seeing this um, this actor, right, uh, Larry? Mm-hmm. Yes. No one ever talks about Jake and all of his girlfriend. <laughs> That's a common. Um, that whole line is a very common uh, for military veterans. Yes. They, I mean, the, my memory of PTSD as it evolved was that at first it was like the new term for shell shock yes. and combat fatigue and all yes. that. But we've expanded PTSD beyond military. I mean, trauma is trauma. Yeah. You know, survived a disaster or a personal disaster, like a car wreck or a tornado or earthquake or an whatever. An assault, um, an attack. It. You. What's interesting about trauma yes. is we used to we used to think that um, a trauma would have to be something that um, is life or death that you have experienced or witnessed. Um, and the idea of trauma has really expanded beyond that. Um, people can experience traumatic reactions, this re-experiencing, this ver- hypervigilance, this irritability that we're just about to see play out. Um, you can experience these things anytime your fundamental beliefs have been challenged. Sometimes that's life or death situations. Sometimes it doesn't have to be that. So, this is an example of what we would call emotional dysregulation. Um, this is an example of Nog's emotions have changed. They're more um, har- um, short-circuited. It's, it's faster for him to experience certain emotions, easier for him to lose control. That's something that can quite often happen after a traumatic experience doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be aggressive like what we just saw here, but it does mean certain emotions are just going to be uh, more charged than they were before. And that's one of the, in some cases, that's the only treatment you need is learning how to deal with these emotions now.
Kyra says that is the right sweater for Vegas. Um, ACs. That is true. That is true. Anyone who's been to the official Star Trek convention knows that the the ACs are at full power down there in Vegas. Yeah, Libby, Libby, your comments here about healthcare are uh, right on. Um, I'm really loving everything you're saying here. Because my parents are elderly, I have several friends listed on my permission to get medical info forms. Not could have Jake listed. So, yeah, so I think that's that's probably a part of um, setting up for Starfleet is you have to inform not only um, who your next of kin is, but who you want permission to um to hear of medical conditions that might come or if you merge your consciousness with an alien who should be informed you know i think they probably have a pretty uh extensive uh administrative process for that larry yes, i'm sure joanna mccoy knew all about the whole contra thing yeah <laughs> from select i'm sure she knew <laughs> dad okay so i i do love here that Vic is able to separate out his role as the person who's running the bar to his friend and colleague. So he he made it very clear to Nog that that line, you can't cross it. The line must be drawn here, this far, no farther. Um, and at the same time, he is still his friend. He still supports him. He still cares for him. Um and it's important to have consequences like that that are flexible, supportive, and compassionate um, when people might be struggling emotionally this way. Because everyone is refiguring out what's appropriate, what are my limitations, all of that sort of stuff. I uh, was just admiring uh, Vic's uh, sofa side technique there on the last scene. What is that technique, Larry? Well, bedside, sofa side, they were on the sofa. Oh, oh. (laughs) The accounting is like, it's like, it's very Ferengi and it's like Nog's wheelhouse, but it's not military injury health related. So it's like, it is, it's the old distraction thing. Oh, Tim, this is a great... Uh, t- uh, Larry, the, the healthcare questions are really pouring in here. Um, Tim's got a question for Dr. Ali as a qualified psychologist. Would dealing with PTSD and psychological mental health issues be a lot easier to deal with to get to the bottom of in the future, particularly a Star Trek future where there is universal healthcare and funding for such important expert help is no issue or problem? Yeah, Tim, I think, I think we would very much um, have... Um, it would be a lot easier. One of the big problems we have in the United States is we have a huge access issues. We don't have enough therapists. We don't have enough therapists who are trained in the variety of subspecialties we need. The ones we have, there's long wait lists to access them. Um, they're clustered in big um, urban areas, and they're not really available in, in rural areas. And um, sometimes you can't afford them, um, especially if you're, uh, depending on your insurance, or you might be underinsured, or you might not have insurance. So one of the big things I see in Starfleet is we have, we often have experts embedded in the ship. Um, I do think people like Troy and Esri would, well, we know that there's one more counselor on Deep Space Nine. She's not the only one. 
we know that there is a team. Uh, Counselor Tell Nori, and I just totally pulled yes. that out of my, or at least <laughs> it's fine. It's mentioned. Sure she's gone. It's mentioned it's somewhere that there's another counselor. Um, but, like, I, I worry about places like uh, the Enterprise, where we had uh, Counselor Troy for over a thousand people, one counselor for, you know, I mean, I guess that's better rates than what we have now. But you do, at least in Starfleet, you do have access to healthcare professionals who, as we see from the next generation, mental health is as valued as anything else. The, the counselor to the ship had a position on the bridge. I think that is a bold, uh, doesn't get as much recognition as it should. That was a bold decision. It's so 80, Ollie, come on. <laughs> that was um, the old Carpet on the walls and a counselor on the there bridge. Is, oh. yeah, I know, carpet, <laughs> carpet on the walls. Um, Tim, the one, one thing, uh, one more thing to say about that is I also think holographic technology, there's probably a lot of holographic programs related to mental health for you to be able to work through these things. I don't mean in terms of an EMH, like we see in Voyager. I, I mean, like, um, you can probably run through different holodeck programs that can help you to deal with anxiety, depression, all that sort of stuff. The one downside I see, Tim, is Starfleet is very different from the Federation. So not everyone in the Federation is as well equipped as um, as a Starfleet ship is. And we see that with Deep Space Nine, too. Deep Space Nine is not as well equipped as a Starbase. So there is diversity there in terms of access to real people and holodecks. Rose says, uh, you're a good ventriloquist, Larry. Um, have oh, you? Oh, we have to be in sync. Okay. <laughs> so this is the first time Lita and his dad are visiting, right? Yes. Yes. This is their token scene with him. Right. So here's something else that I think is really great about this episode. Oh, that I, Larry, I've had that moment with with parents in session where um, their their child might be saying, "Yeah, I've been making a lot of progress. Like uh, things are going well. They look better. They feel better." And then the parent might say, "Well, you're just waking up only so you can play video games, right? Like you still haven't gotten a job yet." And I sort of have to back up and say, all right, look, let's, let's look at where we were a few weeks ago. Your, your child wasn't even waking up, like, until, like, past noon. Like, they weren't bathing themselves. They weren't feeding themselves. You gotta, you kind of have to put all the little parts, uh, rebuild the parts of their life one step at a time. Um, and here we see Nog has reconnected with a sense of meaning and purpose. Um, and that's helping him to kind of uh, deal with his emotions in a new way. We're seeing him rebuild the different parts of his life. Um, I think this is a fantastic depiction of, of how to uh, grow from, uh, from a traumatic experience. He's talking about the distraction from the perceived injury. Larry, this is... Gosh, I love Deep Space Nine so much. We have... 
the A and B storylines are happening simultaneously. So the second storyline here is about Vic, about Vic's sense of purpose and about Vic's um, new experience that he's gaining and how much he's getting a sense of meaning and purpose out of working with Nog here. It's almost like the gynification of Vic here. I bet that that was funny a minute ago. You were talking about uh, they, were, they were saying that it's a it's a hollow sweet prophet, and you were mentioning it's like the same thing. Somebody comes, in, how's it going? Yes, I've launched eight podcasts. And <laughs> are they making any money? Uh, no, we're working on it. You know, have they monetized? No, we're you know. Um, uh, Thousand. That's what it is. Olivia, I love your comment that uh, it's neat that uh, Nog is getting comfort from an instinctively uh, Ferengi uh, activity, numbers, accounting, mm-hmm. and money. Um, so we, we all need um, – there's this thing called um, flow, psychological state of flow. It's when time goes by really quickly. You might not even realize how much time's gone by. And it's when your strengths meet the challenge of a task. I think maybe some of that is happening here for for Nog. He's getting a real sense of engagement through that accounting stuff. Um, even though he might not have the lobes, as you mentioned, um, it still gives him some sense of focus and engagement. And Larry, that's something we all need right now. We all need to be working on things that help us to get through the day, that make us feel like we're engaged, we're absorbed in activity. It's one of the reasons why you and I... <laughs> one of the reasons why we made this show life support life yeah yeah um oh oh dick's taking it into his own hands now so this is rough i I would uh, i I might have a series of conversations but i also wasn't running into a 45 minute production limit of, of a TV syndicated show. I have longer time to do uh, to work my my stuff, but um, I just want to mention Linda's comment here. Access is not that great in cities either. Counselors, yes, but not psychiatrists. We have a major shortage of psychiatrists in the United States. If you're not familiar, psychiatrists are physicians. They have a MD or a DO degree. They're the ones who largely are, are able to prescribe medications as well as administer surgical treatments. Um, Aren't they just psychologists with an extra pad of paper? Uh, they do a little bit more than that. Prescribing? <laughs> This is note-taking. This is prescribing. I, I like that. I like that difference. It's the international symbol for prescribing <laughs> from a psychiatrist. It's, it is, it, I think we were halfway through this arc watching it the first time, and I was like, oh, wait. Moriarty had no clue. <laughs> and Vic right. from day one is, hey, I'm your friendly neighborhood Vegas 1962 right. bartender right. hologram it's, illusion It's all built guy. in. <laughs> so that... Self-aware, yeah. So, okay, so Nog is saying I need more time. And Vic, Vic is saying, no, this is it. Rough. Cold turkey. That's really, that's really hard, Larry. Uh, Akash, all you see is him and his cane. Have you ever, have you ever jerked, uh... Jerk the rug out like that on somebody. I've had it. I've had it happen okay. to me by parents. Um, so I, you know, I keep drawing the parallel with video games here. I've had parents who have thrown away 
their kid's uh, video game console or computer and just go cold turkey. And I always respond with, you did what? That's not how we do it. Um, I love this, Larry. EMH. He can turn himself off. Just, they're just canonizing all over the place here. I'm an engineer, not a philosopher. Oh, what a great line. I love that. I just love how Deep Space Nine just... It's like, yeah, you sentient holograms, just a thing, you know? We don't need to make a big thing about it. It's just there, you know? We just let it be. He, he controls his own self-program. <laughs> um, so what I would do a little bit differently here is I would do something called motivational interviewing, which is where I help the person to see how is this current path you're going down? How's it working for you? And what are things that you let you like less about it? If I was doing that with Nog, I think he would say something like, well, I feel safe. This feels good. I'm feeling better. I'm making progress. And what he would say he doesn't like is he's not seeing the people that he would want to see. I'm going to be quiet because this is an important scene right here. I think this is going to get to the core of why he's experiences this loss as a trauma. He wanted to prove himself. He wanted to prove what he can do. Reality crashing into your yeah. perception. Larry, I think Nog also helps us to to not glorify the Dominion War as a as a member of the audience as well. It can be so easy to get into the battles and the the starships and the galactic politics, but there's a real human cost, or not mm-hmm. just human. There's a real cost of life to all of these things. There's a great inhumanity that happens in war, and Nog shows us that great show for Jimmy Darren oh absolutely so this I think gets right to the core of his trauma and if you remember from earlier I said Trauma really happens when your fundamental beliefs have been changed. We see that here with Nog. He believed things were going to be a certain way. He believed his life was going to be a certain way. And then he says, you know, if I stay in here, at least I know what things are going to be like, what the future is going to be like. The trauma for Nog (laughs) is really this loss of control that I don't have control over these things. Horrible things can, can happen to me, to people I care about. That's really the change in belief and that's where he got stuck and any time that was coming up he really struggled and this is this scene just beautifully gets at all the things that can make something traumatic scott i completely agree with you beautifully written and acted scene
Remember, the hollow suites are just the third floor of Quark's. So the whole time he's just been right up there. Yeah. Yeah, Scott also says that well-meaning parents can unintentionally pull the rug out like no one else. It's not talent. I fundamentally believe that most parents are doing the best they can with the information they have and the resources they have. And oftentimes they might just not know what's, quote unquote, the best way to move forward. And there might not be one best way to move forward. Um, this episode beautifully shows us that. Sheer 62. Like Ford Fairlane or something. <laughs> Glenn says we need a Vic DS9 spinoff. Mm. I would have loved to have seen that. Bajoran day, 26 hours. Ah, it's a nice little detail. <laughs> uh, Libby says that was my favorite Star Trek scene, the family love. They do truly love each other. <laughs> I love that. You can take that to the bank. Nog totally gets that analogy, whereas all the humans would be like, bank? What is a... <laughs> bank <laughs> why would we go to the river captain yeah. uh simone has a question does trauma make us more resilient and mentally stronger so um post-traumatic stress disorder is not the only outcome of trauma um Post-traumatic growth is off is also possible. That's where after you've experienced a trauma, you're and it, in the struggle of trying to deal with it, your values might change, your perspective might change, or you might see yourself as someone who's more capable than they were before. Uh, so growth is also possible. What a lot of the research on growth has shown is people can both experience the downsides of a trauma while also experiencing the growth of, from it as well. Those things can happen in, in parallel. And sometimes people can make steps forward and then fall back and then forward again. So trauma is a very, um, it's not a linear process. Um, it's, it's not good or bad. I would never wish trauma upon anyone. But I, I, do, I do like to tell people that you can grow from this experience and um, you might gain things from this that you did not expect. Okay. We're going to talk through the credits. <laughs> oh, I just love listening to that music, Larry. I love listening to that music. Should we watch the next one? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, By the way, your gach has arrived. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, Larry, let's... Um, Let's... I've been trying to keep up with the chat here, everybody. So, uh, and trying to, and uh, haven't been doing much. So, yeah, lots of incredible uh, Linda and Libby and Scott and and everybody's been in here. I don't want to single people out, but uh, some new, some newer names too. I hope everybody's appreciating yeah. seeing come. I did see someone earlier on say that Twitch and 
Twitch and YouTube are showing everybody's comments, but Facebook is still only showing the Facebook comments. Of course. Which... Of course. Gosh. Of course. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Zach. Um, but uh, at least that's the majority. I mean, the Facebookers aren't missing out because that's three-fourths of the comments, but um, but I'm glad that opened up for everybody. Uh, I love um, this some comment. still prefer- by Scott, Larry, of uh, Star Trek in a nutshell. Are you okay? No, but I will be. Um, that's, uh, that's a great way to, to bring this together. Um, Tim also says, what makes this such a powerful episode? Nog's mental health and PTSD issues are not going to go away immediately with a wave of magic wand. It's going to take a lot of step-by-step therapy and getting rid to the trauma. Yes, Tim, I, I so appreciate what you're saying here because, um, <laughs> well, Larry, this could, this I, I feel your voice in my head right now is well. Well, that's Deep Space Nine. Nothing goes away in one episode, um, unless you're O'Brien and you've been tortured in some way. That will never be spoken of again. But beyond that, all the character conflicts, the challenges, they play out over the course of many episodes, and I love that we see that here. Larry, Netflix is, wants to watch wants me to watch another episode. And it's telling me. My Netflix me, just rolled on. Yes. I, I turned the autoplay off, but it's, it's really wants me to play the next one. And it's telling me that Deep Space Nine is a critically acclaimed spin-off series set in Space Station, and it won four Emmys and had 31 nominations. 31 nominations for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Section 31. I don't know, Larry. Is there a connection oh, there? Oh, I see. What, I see what you did there, and I... <laughs> Care much for no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Um, All right. So should we jump into? um, We should everybody to a K three factor, Larry. I'm in the mood. I'm I'm, okay. Well, I've got the need. I didn't want to slow down the show, but I just wanted to point out a couple of fun things. Do you have the Do you have the sequence there? Of course. Of course, so Larry. it was a lot of fun. Yay! The K3 Factor, of course, is the one reference to mental health aside from a tri- psycho tricorder. It was in the original series. Uh, it's actually lettered there on the bio panel, there, the bio bed panel. Um, it's just an intersection of a deep dive with what's going on here. But uh, this is this is really more on trivia. I knew we would be talking in and out of the show all the way through. Um, so put the uh, put. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I wanted to try. I never watched the episodes on Netflix. I wanted to try the Netflix inter- interface. Um, Jared yeah, would say our- Netflix and not CBS All Access for shame. Jared, if you want to yeah. know for real, I only subscribe to CBS All Access when there's new Star Trek episodes coming out because I also have Netflix and the whole series, the whole franchise minus the movies are all there. Just, just chill. Um <laughs> So here's the thing. So can you put it? So it's so it's really cool to watch uh, Nog watching Vic's, you know, black and white TV in 1962, obviously. And the first clip that he's watching there is obviously from Shane. Shane, Shane. So can you? Um, yes. Can you run? Can you run the image? Absolutely. Okay. There we go. So oh, this is tiny. Okay. Um, can you big. can't you can't enlarge oh you can yeah i can't grow baby grow Whoa, so here's the there thing. we go there's a there's a there, so here's shane it's a western it's the end it's kind of iconic and you'll notice at the very bottom of that poster what studio made it it's a paramount picture of course, <laughs> of course. now we all say that of course but actually 
uh, Ron worked on this uh, script, and I, all the writers were there. Ira, everybody, well, there were a lot of John Wayne, not token John Wayne, but two or three John Wayne movies fans, other other people too. But some of the people who are really DS9 fans know that a lot of cinema got referenced at times. Lines, character names got recycled. The Sand Pebbles is another one. Um, anyway, the original movie they wanted Ron, uh, Nod to be watching was The Searchers, John Wayne's movie. But you'll see if you run The Searchers poster. Can you do, do that? Do, do. I am uh, calling up L cars. Here we go. There we go. Look at the look here at the top and look at the bottom. The Searchers is a Warner Brothers picture. Right. And it wasn't that they couldn't get the rights. It was expensive. The paperwork was going to take so long yeah. that they just didn't have time. So they just made it They just made it Shane, not the searchers. But what's funny is in the lines, did you catch that, where he says, what are you watching? Shane, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, the searchers is a better picture. Yeah, I know. Oh, gosh. That's... And Ethan went right by there. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that. <laughs> And then here's your here's your double barrel because we're just doing little shallow caterings this week because the, the episode was so deep. There's so much cool stuff here. So in that same scene, like ten minutes, ten seconds later, you know, there's been all these token references. Vic is doing his usual, you know, Frank did this, and he's doing his Rat Pack references. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Frank did this. There's just there's like a, a double whammy there where he says something about uh, Dino did this, meaning Dean Martin. And Sammy said this, blah, 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 Sammy Davis Jr. Well, at the very end of the scene, Ron, uh, Nog, oh, I keep wanting to say Ron, Nog has a parting line, and he walks off camera, and Vic just looks after him and says, son of a gun. And what a lot of people may not realize is if you want to put the last one up, yeah. that the original Rat Pack, right? Here's Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Joey Bishop, who was not a singer, he was a comedian, but he was in he was in the core of the Rat Pack. That was that was Joy Bishop's token line. Son of a gun. He had a he had a sitcom for a couple of years with Abby Dalton, and that was like that was his that was his catchphrase. So it's like it's like you know Ira and Ron knew what they were doing. The guys knew what they were doing. But I just the first time I saw that show and they had Vic say, "Son of a gun," I was like, "Oh my god, they're just brilliant." So there's your there's your K three. I love that K three. I I often got a lot of the Rat Pack references, but apparently not because I didn't I didn't know I didn't know that Larry and I didn't know. And the I movie was just references. checking I, in in uh, Paul and Terry's DS nine companion, and I don't know about Memory Alpha, but I'm betting if it's not in the companion, it's not in Memory Alpha. Um, I'm betting that that little uh, Son of a Gun reference is not out there anywhere. So. There's there's your true deep cut for K3 this week. That was a wonderful K3, Larry. I really um, I really enjoyed that one. Um, so with that, let's go into the away mission. So this is the part of the show uh, where I give you an away mission for the week. If you want to uh, apply any of the stuff that you've been seeing here from this episode to your own life, um, there's please. <laughs> There's a lot. And we should say, I mean, we made the show because we want, we want to not only celebrate together, celebrate this thing that we love, which that in itself is so helpful to us, Larry. You mean this show? This show. 
as opposed to the oh, like hundreds of joke. other things yeah. yeah no no not that one and not not oh. that one but but this one um as, <laughs> but larry we do a lot of stuff sometimes i have to remember where are we where am i who what are we what am i doing right now um this show we wanted to celebrate star trek together which often that's enough <laughs> to help us and this is one of the reasons why we'd love your feedback we thought these watch-alongs are really a great way for us to do something together and do a deeper dive i have a lot of fun with them larry i'd love doing this with you let us know in the comments if you like these i hated it but i'll do it for you if that's what you really want you you are a little bit more sassy on these watch alongs larry i kind of like it i like sassy dr trek (laughs) no i mean like we're not wholesale changing the format of the show over but we just thought it would be a nice change up yeah right and it would be fun to do one where i'm actually here that's right that's right (laughs) It's uh, it's been a fun experiment. So let us know if you like this. Um, but the away mission is is a part to go like one extra step. And one of the reasons why we wanted to pick this is for many of us, we are living through the most traumatic, uh, large scale global traumatic experiences um, that has happened in 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 decades maybe not since 1918 have we seen this large scale of a traumatic experience where our fundamental views of ourselves of each other of the world are being challenged in some way so i'm actually and copying I, would, I might throw out world war Two. you were talking yeah yeah not- yeah no it's it, and it's different right um no, it is different but i'm saying as far as the most people involved were personal right. and global seem to all be intertwined right yeah maybe we haven't seen it since uh, since the world wars uh that's a good point larry um it's um because it, i think a lot of people were in the 1918 era i mean i think rumor and well apparently rumor's still carrying the day now <laughs> but i think the the lack of global you know 24 7 news overkill slightly made it maybe a little different i just, i think I'd like to now. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about this. I wonder if there were people who were actually able to live in pockets of ignorance and not know that there was a pandemic raging or how bad it was or that it was global. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, on a nineteen scale. That anyway. That that was my thought about being different from now. But why? I, World War Two was hard to. The, the communi- telecommunications was so much more. You were more intertwined. Yeah, it's there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of differences. Um, but this is, uh, I, I think, this is going to be at least in our lifetimes, Larry, probably the greatest mental health challenge um, that uh, we are going to face because there's going to be years and years of impact from this. Well, aside from the kids living in cages, but we'll uh, put that aside. yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot <laughs> happening. It's it's not a great time to be an American right now. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to, one of the reasons why we wanted to do PTSD is because some of you might be experiencing a traumatic reaction here. We talked about that to some degree in our very first Life Support Live with Star Trek Picard, but I think we went a little bit more in detail here. And um, I, I want to bring back the way mission I mentioned, I think, in that episode, which is about how to, how to work through trauma. And um, if you are someone who is struggling with these 
big changes in your beliefs about yourself, about the world, as it relates to coronavirus, COVID-19, um, the racial unrest, police brutality, all of these things that are happening in the United States. And there's even more stuff happening in the world that I am completely ignorant of. There's, uh, I was just reading about how um, in India, the uh, shelter in place led to a lot of um, a lot of hunger, a lot of deaths from um, from lack of food. Um, people were starving to death. There's uh, this is a challenging. You were going to say domestic abuse, but which there's is domestic violence. Hard. There, there's so much happening, Larry, right now, and I think people's uh, people are really struggling with how to make sense of all of this. So, if you are in that situation and you do not have access to holographic Vic, here's what you can do. Um, there's something you can do on your own right now. You don't need a therapist with you. Um, and it's just writing about it. Um, specifically writing about how has this, how has your life been impacted by this current situation? Um, and write down paper and, uh, this is not paper. This is a pen or a pencil, a writing instrument, or a pad, if you like. If you have one, you can use a pad and paper. It's, it's 2020. What do you expect? <laughs> it's You don't want to type this one out. It's important to write it out. It, it slows down the process. But write out how has this thing impacted your life, your relationships, your view of yourself, your views about the future, all of that sort of stuff. And you want to write for about 20 20 minutes for four days in a row. Um, 20 minutes, write about how this thing has impacted you for, uh, for 20 minutes for four days in a row. That's all you need. And that's been shown to help people to start process what's going on and to um, to get unstuck with some of these thoughts. Some people might need more than that. And if you're in a place where that just thinking of doing that is too emotionally overwhelming, then don't do it. Focus more on what Nog does early on this in this episode and just trying to trying to do things that help him to feel more calm and more present. Um, but Larry, that's that's some of the best yeah, treatments pack lighter on a cane. That's a great <laughs> some of the best treatments for PTSD are focused just on that, are on, on helping people to process this. And it's not the venting that helps, but it's the processing. It's the changing the narrative, developing, um, a new way to approach these thoughts that, that helps people with that. So that's my away mission. Um, if you, if you're struggling with these beliefs, write about it for 20 minutes, four days in a row. Um, that'll help you to get a little unstuck with the situation. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, I was just, I was catching up on the chat when you. Speaking of the chat, let's open up those hailing frequencies. This is really where we just have a conversation. We dive into your comments. We invite anyone who wants to join in. You can join in, um, by Skyping us at yes. Life Support Live Host. If you want um, to come on camera, oh, uh, Larry, Larry, Skype. I made a boo boo. What? You know, one of the things that I hear is people want, um, sometimes people want more from us. People want to hear more ways and more perspectives, more thoughts. We've, you, you and I both have big things coming up this week as it relates to San Diego Comic Con. Yes. <laughs> I do this all the time, apparently. We come up with a plan and I just wipe right through it. So yeah. do I. So do I. Later, I want, I want you to talk about what is happening right here. Oh, so I want everybody to know coming up before we get too far into the end, 
there's a lot of virtual cons going on things. Uh, and I will be on Virtual Trek tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock with a bunch of podcasters at a panel live. But that panel yep. was, I was very proud to San Diego Comic-Con, which people are, speaking of trauma, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But a lot of people are missing San Diego Comic-Con, as they're going to be missing Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, we pitched a panel for that where it was three generations of the science advisors for Star Trek. And in that one picture, yeah. thanks to the magic of Zoom, we had the last three people with the official title of science advisor on episodic Star Trek. So Dr. Erin, a lot of people know her for right now. She's, as of last fall, appointed as science advisor. Um, but Andre Bermatis, who had it for uh, I combined, I don't know, 20, 24 seasons through the heart of things. And Narain Shankar, who's now running The Expanse and ran CSI for years, um, has a science. They all have science backgrounds, and Erin and, uh, and Narain have doctorates. Um, but Narain started as the science advisor, a friend of Ron Moore, for seasons four and five, or, or five and six on Next Generation. And then he got on staff. He had writing ambitions and was on staff. So anyway, um, and Narendra Three from Yesterday's Enterprise. There's another free K3 for you. <laughs> so many K3s. Uh, was named for was a name for him by Ron. But uh, but that's a panel I'm very proud of, and it's going to be on the at Comic Con at home that are going to start running next Thursday, and they'll only they'll be on you know they'll be recorded. I mean uh, they'll be archived later, and they're they're pre-recorded, but you can only see it initially at the time, just like it was a real panel. So five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern next Thursday. It'd be great if a lot of people not competing with anything else, and it would be great if people could uh, be there because we'll have. It's almost like ratings. It would be great for us to have hits for when people see that. And, and um, it's free. It's free, folks. And it's free. Start yes, it's a whole Diego. weekend of Comic Con. Yeah, There's six or eight panels every hour. There's, it's like real Comic. There's um, a few official Star Trek panels. Um, the Star Trek Universe. There's going to be. I think it's a three-hour uh, oh, panel series. Yes. Early. Yes. Thank you. Early. The Thursday is basically Star Trek Day, big time. Ten Pacific, uh, one Eastern. Same time we're doing is the morning is the big CBS Studio yeah. panel with all shows represented at times. And folks, it's and there's anyone there's can an be a part of panel it. About two o'clock later on. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is um, while we're so sad we can't do this in person. Um, it's it's free and open up to everyone. So um, and and please do support the Star Trek panels because as San Diego sees um, sees the support for Star Trek, they green light more Star Trek panels. Um, I also have a pretty cool panel coming up, Larry. This gets back to this is a key three factor for life support live people. Oh, oh. Can I, can I, before you do that? Yeah, 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 please. Just, I just, I just want to mention, so reinforcing that that, uh, the, the science advisors panel is yeah. next Thursday at five Pacific, right? Eight Eastern. Uh, I do have a panel on virtual track con that's running this weekend. It'll be this time tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific one Eastern with some podcasters. But if you think that the summer is going to be the end of all these wonderful panels and convention fill-ins, Rest assured, there is somebody that pioneered a concept five years ago <laughs> called Portal 47 that did all this, and we still have guests and voices that you're not even going to see at a convention because that was the original point of backstage folks. So if you've ever heard of Portal Portal 47 back there, portal47.net, just again, I have been running a weekend special. Can you put that up? Yeah, Probably. you yes. got it. So until midnight Sunday, whatever your time is, this is a very short-term Corona time special for everybody. 
it's basically uh, I call it the simple four three two. Three for two. <laughs> three for two. It's it's basically three months for the price of two in Portal 47. We've got some portales in our chat here today. And um, anyway, that's my one of my other contributions for Corona Time is a little short bit like that. So please, uh, if you're enjoying where I'm coming from, there, I don't always keep Ali in a box during Portal 47 <laughs> times, but his spirit is there. <laughs> but we have a lot of time, and anybody that's it's on the chat today. But anyway, that's the special for this weekend. But I hope to see everybody... Um, in the chat live, both of those things I mentioned are pre-records for tomorrow and next Thursday, but there will be live chat on Virtual TrekCon, and I'm going to be there chatting with people in the live stream going going by us. So a little K3. Oh, what have you been for, up to, Ali? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been? got a I've got a K3 for you, Larry. Um, so if people are ever wondering how the heck the two of us met, well, we actually met at a um a panel and it was a panel that my friend uh dr and um drea ledimenti and i throw together she is a psychologist who loves star wars and appreciates star trek and i am a psychologist who loves star trek and appreciates star wars we did a panel back in 2013 at WonderCon, uh, which is a San Diego comic-con sibling that happens in anaheim and uh our first Star Trek guest for that was Dr. Trek himself, Larry Nemechek. Um, and that panel was so successful, we did uh, five more of those. We did those one every year, pretty much. Um, it's been gone for a few years because Dr. Matu had a kid and was really tired and didn't travel. Um, we were going to revive it this year. Uh, and uh, this year was not a good year to revive <laughs> panels. But... We have a virtual version of that coming back for San Diego oh. Comic-Con. Um, so this is going to be episode six of the psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars, uh, presented by myself, as well as my colleague, Dr. Drea Ledimenti. We have two individuals who have credits with Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, Ted, uh, Slashwick, people might recognize as a Vulcan from Star Trek Enterprise, um, is going to be there. It's, it's a fun panel. It's, it's a, it goes by incredibly quickly where we are really debating the kind of stuff we talk about in life support live so we debate mandalorians versus klingons we're debating uh, michael burnham versus um uh, ray from star wars we're debating um just so much fun stuff in that one um we debate picard and luke um that yes, is the fact that you called it star trek versus star wars made it sound very adversarial like it was like our friends that do the smashdown or the smackdown right. starship and but you said it's we're not really adversarial. We're just no. saying that for the hype. But yeah. apparently we all got that memo except the first Star Wars guest, <laughs> who was like rev, revving up the crowd. And I was like, wait, did I did I misread the memo? Well, Larry, we we ha we've had a, a Star Trek guest from time to time who's also done that. Not you. We we've had other folks. Uh, but but this one is it's very um, celebratory. It's a lot of fun, and I'll just put up the time again for that one. Um, this is going to be uh, Friday, I believe, at two p.m. Is yeah, that so this Friday, is another Larry? at home? Yes. Uh, is it twenty fourth of Friday? I believe yes. it is um, going to be. Twenty third is a Thursday, so I hope the twenty fourth. Yeah, 24th. yeah, yeah. It's Friday at two p.m. So, uh, so this feel is free the to day after hours. Yeah, it's going to yes. be free. So, um, so with that, Larry, we we've talked about a lot of stuff there. Uh, let's get back to the um, 
to our hailing frequencies. We've got a lot yes. of great comments. And the first... Real quick. Yeah. Uh, Scott, I got to thank Scott for this because I meant to mention it. When we were doing the Shane and the Searchers, I meant to say Jeff Hunter, he's probably his best right. movie role right. was not Jesus Christ, but his role in the Searchers. So there's another Trek connection. That Thank you, Scott. I meant to mention that. It's so, right there, Big as Life, at the bottom of that poster. We're getting some great feedback from Jared as well as Linda, um, Scott, and uh, Irvin, um, all really mentioning that they enjoyed this uh, watch-along. Uh, Libby um, yeah, also you. saying really enjoyed it. I have been able to watch Trek with friends oh, in word. decades. The local sci-fi group did uh, get to watch DS9 occasionally when it first aired. We had our favorite characters, which made it a lot of fun. So uh, this is something that um, I think we we are really enjoying um, doing this together. So we will definitely do... Um, do more of these. Um, Larry, we have so many, so many amazing comments um, coming in. Um, Scott seems to be very happy about the Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of great stuff. And Cairo says, Porty 40, uh, Portal 47 rocks. One of these days, Larry, we need to do a Portal 47 collab um, to do a, a deep dive there, uh, the two of us together. A 47 clap? What did you say? Collab. A- collab. Oh, oh, collab. That's how we, okay. that's how we like, say it on, on, on YouTube. Oh, uh, no, yeah. No more of the Galaxy Quest slash Bajoran collapse right over there. Um, Bajorans did it first. <laughs> the Bajorans did do it first. Yeah. Um, people are also saying that Virtual TrekCon had a great science group, um, which had Dr. Aaron there. Um, Dr. Aaron's been putting out some great content. Um, she has a Twitch channel if people are interested. She also has a YouTube channel, so you can uh, definitely check out a lot more from her. Um, we, had her on, we had her on the Trek Files, too. And yeah. we have, I think there's one more coming. I love how Scott and says... I should say Mohammed Noor, too, is the biology... She's the overall science consultant, and he's consulting on... Um, on a biological, uh, anal- you know, she's got the big physics and radiation wave and time dilation things, and he's got some of the more an- analog. No, he's got the more biological uh, side of the science consulting. But uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Simona asks, um, "Do you have any psychologists?" who have real experience with um, extraterrestrial? Um, so here's. This is an interesting question. I know NASA has does have some protocols developed for this if there is extraterrestrial uh, 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 connection. Um, Simona, you also I think asked earlier what nation is best prepared for first contact. Larry, I don't know what your answer to that would be. Um, don't, look at, don't look at me. I. Yeah. I might say I don't think any of us are well prepared for that. Um, Simona, if you're interested, I did a um, talk. If you look up on on YouTube about um, the psychology of Star Trek's utopian future, you'll find my talk. I did a a 30-minute talk about the psychology of first contact. And unfortunately, the history of first contact on Earth. So that means um, two cultures coming into contact with each other for the first time. The history there is not good. Um, it's very hard for us to have communication, to have connection, 
to see each other as equals, as equal humans. And the, the history of first contact on this planet has often led to a lot of conflict and violence and, uh, in some cases, destruction of cultures and civilizations. So, Same continent. It did not go well. No, no. Um, so maybe Antarctica, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. The penguins might argue with that. They might say you really destroyed our habitat here. Um, so I, I think it's a very difficult, challenging thing. Why I think it worked with Star Trek and first contact with the Vulcans. Um, and we know it didn't work in the mirror universe. Um, we saw that happen in the mirror. We saw what happened in the mirror universe and Star Trek Enterprise. Um, what, why I think it worked with Vulcans is they don't look that dissimilar to us. They look like humans um, who, who, with just the ears and a little bit of the brows and the bad haircut. Um, other than that, they look pretty similar to us. And they also had universal translators. They had an ability for us to communicate instantly. So that's why I think that first contact didn't go that horribly. Um, so I don't think we're well prepared. <laughs> And if you look at it as we were the underlings at the moment, we'd just been through a world war. Yeah, yeah. And we weren't the ones flying around in spaceships. I mean, people saw the Phoenix launch and didn't know what it was. They, oh, it's a what, what? Why are they launching one of the old missiles? That crazy guy's doing up to it again. Yeah. So we were like the underling, and in this case, the the more advanced, the te- more technically advanced, the more um, yes, the more advanced on all all fronts was the more emotionally mature culture like the, the Vulcans weren't coming for Kong they they might be passive aggressive <laughs> but they're not they're not coming to eat us or bomb us or enslave us or whatever yeah. else take our brains yes whatever other 50s movie you want to do so if it'd been the other way around it might have been like the the mirror universe version yeah <laughs> they, if you if they you, all take rifles and overpower the Vulcans but there's people a lot were kind of like oh my god it's a ship and you kind of set you up for success. You, you have to wonder if um, if an alien species that has the power to come here would would see us as equals or would they see us as ants? Um, a lot of times sci-fi goes in that direction. Star Trek goes in a very different direction. Um, but you have to wonder about that. I think a more realistic view of where humanity is right now is in District 9. If you watch that film and you see the way in which uh, humans treat the alien life that's discovered, I think that's a closer parallel to where we are now. And that movie is such a great... Um, social commentary on how we see uh, class and race and um, how different ethnic groups interact with each other. Um, it also has a lot to say about apartheid in South Africa and and all that sort of stuff. I also love how it's one of the only sci-fi films that isn't American biased, where the aliens come to Washington, D.C. or New York or L.A. No, they go somewhere uh, global outside of the United States. I, I love that. They didn't go to the U.N. in New York? <laughs> I know. Uh, um, Irvin's asking, can you explain more about the uh, Skype contact in the upper right corner? Yeah, Irvin. So if you want to be the third window here, um, if you want to um, video chat with us here on the show, you just need to um, send us a message on Life Support Live Host and we can bring you on. And, um, Skype. and uh, on Skype, yeah. And we can have um, a little conversation here. Uh, that's how it works. Thanks so much for asking. On camera. Yeah. yeah, so um, Tim says here um, Columbus was a horrible uh, first contact, uh, virus diseases. Um, so not only did 
was there um, a biological destruction? But yeah, that was also a cultural destruction. Um, um, Columbus did not see, saw these people as, as, as primitives, as people he could easily overpower. And it, it start, started what was very much a long history, a, a very sad history for people who were already living here in uh, North America. So not that. Not at all like the experiences happened with Africa. <laughs> Scott is cracking me up on this one. First contact won't go well unless it's scored by G- Jerry Goldsmith. Scott, I love that Better score. Too quick then. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that sadly might not ever happen. Um, I would say it doesn't have to be a Jerry Goldsmith uh, score. Um, John Williams will work as well, um, as we see in uh, Close Encounters. I think John Williams did Close Encounters. Am I right, mm-hmm. Larry? Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, he did everything. He did every 80s sci-fi movie. Yeah. Burr, burr, oh, burr, 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 burr. Except for the 70s. Say, excuse me, seven. <laughs> um, yeah, so as long as we have one of the maestros, um, we'll we'll be just fine. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm just I'm actually catching. Oh, so much so much good stuff in our chat. We've got eight people in the chat, but it's all really good today. Um, <clears throat> right. Tim, if someone sticks me in a booth of emotion, I will be very happy. As um, as Tilly says in uh, Star Trek Discovery, I um, I love feeling feelings. Um, I'm all I'm all about that. I love feeling feelings. <laughs> I'm all about feeling feelings. Oh well, yeah. I had some people <clears throat> this week. We didn't really prep for this, but I had some people talk about some of the other PTSD. Uh, episodes that are out there. We did the watch today, and the one that I always think about is uh, Memorial on Voyager, where it was partly a uh, it was partly an inner light uh, technique to where an alien culture who may be gone now it's either an outpost or they're gone, but they wanted people to remember the the rough lesson their culture learned about war, and you pass by and this beacon basically starts implanting, you know, as opposed to the memory of one particular person, as Picard experienced, right, and on Resica, uh, the dead plant, the planet that died from not dealing with its sun going nova. But um, in this case, it was a war, and they both, re- everyone realized after it was over that it was a horrible thing and how ridiculous it was. But it implants memories of both sides, and and the Voyager crew wind up fighting each other in this guerrilla war, and they can't, figure, you know, they're having flashbacks this war. And it was a way of it was using PTSD effects, but it memorialized this war as what not to do. Right. But it was another case of it. But they were, you know, so it was a totally alien construct here. And it wasn't real the same way that, it, you know, um, that inner light wasn't real for Picard or it was real, but not really or hard time even for O'Brien, you know, in prison all those years. It was a reality for them, but it was still a. Artificial construct. It's um, and then it's, and then talking and somebody mentioned uh, Klingon PTSD for for core one of the one of the uh, DS nine yeah. from Klingons and so some of these days we need to do um, an alien perspective of mental health. Uh, that's it's that's a great idea and non-hu- it's, excuse me a non human 
the perspective on. And that's um, that's <clears throat> a great parallel to how mental health can similarly and differently uh, present across cultures. That's what the, the parallel there is. And there's some things that are very similar across cultures, and there's some things that present um, incredibly differently. And also, what protects people in one culture might be different than what protects people from developing a mental illness in other cultures. So I think there's that that's fascinating. The core example there, um, K-O-R, not C-O-R-E, is, is a really great example there. Um, going back into the comments here... Um, Irvin, uh, we're getting some great comments from you. So welcome to the community. I think this might be your first time here. Um, but Irvin says, uh, this is by far one of the biggest mental health challenges. I'm an extrovert and have missed hugs and in-person interaction. I miss talking to people. Um, y'all are an important lifeline. Um, thank you. Thank you, Irvin. We, um, we miss that too. You know, Larry, I was talking the other day with, um, a friend of mine. Well, I wasn't talking. I was texting. And we were sharing what we miss most um, from before all of this. And I said, I miss, I miss by chance social interaction. I miss going to a coffee shop and having a random cool conversation. Someone's wearing a Star Trek shirt. And I say, hey, cool shirt. And we end up talking about Star Trek. And I miss um, running into someone who I haven't seen in a while. I miss... Um, sometimes going on a flight and I'm usually the person who puts on my headphones and I just want to relax. But every now and then I'll have a conversation with someone and we just talk the whole flight and we've, I've connected with this person who I never thought I would connect with before. That is so rare now to have like happenstance social interaction because everything is Zoom or you're texting with people you already know or you're FaceTiming with people you already know. It's hard to meet new people and just connect with the humanity in one another as you would at Quarks or 10 Forward <laughs> or your local coffee shop. Um, so I miss that. I miss that a lot. I just had this insight. There's been a lot of talk if there was ever Star Trek Las Vegas brought back yeah. the intervening years what they would and it would be a restaurant bar you know entertainment complex with rides and all, all the attractions updated but one of the big concepts was well how would you update the physical choices you made like mm. would you try to you know honor that in in the 90s the big thing was to push ds9 in the current shows so that made it obvious right. and it was cool and it was alien but would you do that again and uh. part of what happened is nothing has really arisen to take its place. Like in the, in the years we only had the Kelvin movies as a comeback, it's like what the the Starfleet bar you saw for three minutes right. in uh, right. <laughs> in Star Trek 09. I mean, like there's no or the search for Spock, no, that horrible yeah, well, bar yeah. that no one would ever want to go to. And that 80s 3D video Genesis, Genesis forbidden. I for some reason talk like Yoda in Star Trek. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but I, I was just thinking that maybe with the best thing of all since we've had all these years, and I don't, there's not really been a, a bar set in Discovery. I mean, they've got their mess hall in Discovery. Yeah. There's not really been Discovery and Picard. Neither one have helped, right? Yeah. Answer this question: <laughs> yeah. What's going to be a dominant thing? So I think just something that's new and different. Mm. And then if they lose the lease and go broke, they can modify it. Just do a Vix bar with that big pink. 60s oh retro gosh, that would be so easy to do. Just do a Vix there, and <laughs> I think a ten forward. Take me to his apartment. 
I think yeah. you want a 10 forward. 10 forward is quite iconic. We do see a 10 forward again in Star Trek uh, Picard. Uh, that might be the way to go, although it's so plain. And as you said, carpet on the walls. Um. <laughs> well, no, that, it is iconic. No, I mean, those those big window pieces. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. That, that would work. It would be very. And then the big painting. Oh, know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, behind the bar. Um, there's. But, uh, there's yeah. a couple of comments here I want to follow up on. Irvin, again, is saying that hand journaling has given me an opportunity to chronicle my experiences and do so slowly to process the minutiae in, in my mind. That processing, that revisiting, that developing a narrative is such um, such a great skill that can help. At the same time, Cairo says, I'm too busy with work to even think about how to deal with all of this. But thankfully, that uh, great vacation's coming up that I've planned for so long with Star Trek Las Vegas and flying over and drifting through the U.S. Oh, damn. Yeah. So you might not be in a place to do that writing and to revisit this. The emotions might be so powerful. You might be so stressed, so overwhelmed. And that's fine, too. You don't have to do that yet. That's why trauma is so complex to treat that there's um, you really need to get a sense of where you are right now and is where you are right now. To not focus on the emotions and just get through the day is where you are right now. You're stuck thinking these things over and over as Nog was in that critical scene and you need to process it. Writing might help. Or are you in a place where you are so overwhelmed, you need something like a bit of an escape so you can start to feel a bit more calm, something like a vacation or a trip in a holodeck or just time away from your work or just a really good weekend where you're just binge watching a lot of Star Trek. Trauma is a weird thing. Lots of different things are needed to um, to to do it. Trauma is uh, such a weird thing. <laughs> it takes a diversity of skills to help someone who's experiencing trauma. I Take it away, Larry. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, folks, people of all backgrounds, we are nearing the end of the show, as is obvious by us losing structural integrity. <laughs> uh, Libby says, I'm a writer and I can't write right now. I guess I'm too overwhelmed, but I am making masks. That helps. I'm also making a bit of a profit from it, from the vintage market, which for some reason amuses me. <laughs> Libby, awesome to hear that. Um, you're, you're doing something we've talked about in a previous episode, which is focusing on something that you can improve day to day. You're focusing on a craft that's taking up some of your time, it feels good. It feels like you're making progress. That's a great skill that helps you to stay engaged, bring some order to the day. It makes you feel like you're um, doing something good. So that's, that's fantastic. Does working jigsaw puzzles uh, count? Libby, don't, don't be too scared. We're, we're going to be back. We're back next week. We're, we're always here for you. You know that. Um, life support live the musical, says Scott. Larry, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. The I final just... frontier. <laughs> Star Trek. Give me that Star Trek. Um, no, I just forgot. I how, want uh, it. I need it. I got to have it. Give me another episode to binge. I don't know. I don't know. I, Folks, yeah. you make the lyrics. We will sing them. There you go. Um, I'm not going to give up my warp. Okay. <laughs> I'm not throwing away my warp core. I am not throwing away my warp core. My engine's young, scrappy, and hungry. I'm not throwing away. Uh, Linda says, um, 
uh, people are going to have way too much to drink. Uh, whatever you're drinking, um, I'm going to be way too caffeinated. Uh, Libby says trauma is a, is not a one-time event. All past traumas get drawn into it and it snowballs. Um, Linda, thank you for making that comment. Um, a one-time episode of trauma is different than someone who's experienced multiple traumas. And sometimes if you experienced one trauma, it might make it easier to experience another trauma for another number of factors. And then one more thing to put it out there is um, if you've experienced chronic trauma, which might happen if you lived in a home where um, someone was abusing substances or struggling with, I, I shouldn't say that, um, I should say substance use. They're heavily using substances um, or domestic violence. They were abusive, you know, heavily, no matter how rich and how much property in New York they own, they're... Hugely emotionally abusive. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a different show we could get into. Uh, different sort of support we need there. Our, our, our people, I was going to say, what, doesn't it also, I mean, trauma is trauma. Yeah. Or for where it comes from. But it also, all, uh, you know, if you're young yeah. versus if you're adult. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's different. In your development, of the, you know, like I'm just thinking about kids living through wars. Yes. Especially so, kids uh, living through absolutely, absolutely. really destructive wars. Chronic you know? trauma, which tends to be something that kids might experience, it presents differently than what we see Nog experience. Nog was an uh, adult um, who already had relationships, already had a sense of self, um, and his trauma is sort of the the tip. Yeah, he was very developed. His mind was developed. He, uh, that's the kind of trauma that is usually talked about, um, especially with veterans who might be coming back. Or someone's experienced one episode of trauma. Chronic trauma that might happen to kids over the course of many years is different. And it tends to not be so episodic. It tends to, like, limited to one episode. It tends to be more diffused. So it might look like some someone just thinks that they're not worthy of love or care or support. Or they might not identify ever going through a traumatic experience, but they do have depression. Or they might have social anxiety. Or they might have panic disorder. Or they might have an eating disorder. So chronic trauma looks very different than um, a episode of trauma like this. So thank you. Uh, thank you, for Linda, for reminding me of that. I'm just dipping back into... Uh, um, oh, Jared is saying the Star Trek experience, if it comes back, it needs to have uh, Riker's bunny corn pizza. I think, Jared, I think you're that's right. A good- yeah, yeah, you are right With on. and without venom sex yeah <laughs> yeah tim says we need we really need that artificial smoke at vix to make sure that this is safe uh tim i completely agree with you yeah uh I, there's a, some debate going on here in the chat too uh libby says hey wouldn't first contact actually have been when cork and Ram and nog landed at 51 but that was yes. unlisted that was that yeah. was suppressed Oh, I love that episode too. Um, if we ever want to have, says, wasn't it the Vulcans at Carbon Canyon, Carbon Creek, which came first? Well, actually, uh, Roswell forty-seven was before Carbon Creek in the late fifties, early sixties. So yes. Ky- Kyra's also mentioning the uh, the bar in Stardust City from Star Trek Picard. Um, mm-hmm. That's a it's a place. I don't know if I'd want to visit it. <laughs> well, it's got to be a mo- you know, if you're going to design a tourist attraction for fans, even in a niche fandom, it's got to have some emotional resilience from I mean, all these that's the problem. Very few of these 
bars and played restaurants appeared more than once. Yeah. Like it's only been, I mean, people are more emotionally attached to the, the K7 bar from Tribbles only because they've at least seen it for 50 years. Yeah. Even though it was in one episode and tribulations again. But, you know, Quarks and 10 Forward are the only times we've had, you know, and I'm sorry, the mess hall on the Enterprise, on the NX01 Enterprise was, it was just kind of a gray blob. So, um, uh, right. yeah, the only iconic things like that would be Tin Forward and Quarks still. And Vix! Vix has been in more episodes screen time than these other ones. Rysland has a comment here that um, I want to get to. Um, I agree oh, with Ivan. My personal challenge is the following. I lost my job a few months ago. I decided to move from Las Vegas back to Sacramento, my hometown. I moved just in time to have all activities, including Star Trek Club meetings, shut down. As much as, um, as much as I like technology, I'm tired of meeting people virtually. I had to go with a group uh, to the, uh, drive-in theater a few weeks ago because I was going nuts. So, yeah, I think so many of us have massive fa- technology fatigue. I mean, we are so fortunate to have this technology. At the same time, Larry, you know, I would, I would much rather we were doing this show together in person, um, you know, we could live stream from some bar somewhere. Half the yeah, gosh. Yeah. Uh, one day we'll have that again. But I think so many of us are tired of this and we miss that physical connection. And at the same time, depending on where you are in the world, it's so important to have that distancing. I mean, some countries are, are doing better than, than we are in the United States, but you, we are struggling very much so with this virus in the United States. Yeah, I, can I just talk about pronouns? The pronoun we, I'm so tired of talking about the problems in the U.S. and saying we, mm. because I, I, I saw someone tweeted, uh, Facebook or tweeted the other day, they were talking about mask wearing and social distancing and staying home and like trips out were rare. And they were talking about the problems and the fails, different places. And someone said, "What do you What do you mean?" Or they were, somebody said, "What day is it?" I've lost track of what day it is. And the person says, "What do you mean? It's March 147th." <laughs> Meaning that whatever goofy was going on, the rest of whatever delusions people were on, you know, the rest of the world or the rest of the country or whatever, that they were still in March mode, which is what. We, which my yeah. wife and I, met on, you know, we've made a couple of. I went to Will Rogers. Speaking of other things, I went to Will Rogers and we did a virtual uh, one-hour tour of the Will Rogers State Park Ranch House that I'm a docent for, my one of my other lives, and I love that. But we haven't had tours since, you know, since March. And I did a virtual tour for a senior learning network, which I was chagrined to see they didn't record when we were done. But that was like. You know, I used to drive to the Palisades on the coast, you know, once or twice a month, and I haven't done that in four or five months, and I missed the house and the touring and the talking and all of that. But it was like I felt like I was I was driving to Antarctica. It was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's 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 why I mean, this this whole reaction. I started this by saying this we we keep talking about well we're not handling this very well. I'm sorry, we are doing just fine, and most of the people I know are in the same mindset. It's. It's other people's, it, but it's my problem because even across the, our country, and the U- United States is big, even across the country, the stupidity of some people or the selfishness or the ignor- you know, unawareness, ignorance, or the bad direction is going to wind up affecting me in the end. But I can't be too high on the mighty because there's pockets of that right here around California and L.A. 
Uh, Larry, there's um, there's an episode of Life Support Live all about anger um, that I totally <laughs> recommend. Maybe watching it might might help you out with that. But that's that's why we did that episode. Is there's Absolutely. a lot of reasons to be angry yeah. about about this. Um, I, I actually think you know I was watching our episode that was just last week, I believe. Was it? I have no I, idea. I, it's, it's yeah. Oh no, it's fine. It's March 149. Yeah, right, now. right, right. Um, what day I, uh, is it? It's so far in the future, and yet one day <laughs> we're so unlucky to be living in these times. Um, I want to fly around the sun at warp so I can go back in time. <laughs> Orb of time. Just give me that orb of time. It's so much simpler than a slingshot in time. Okay. <laughs> this is really getting sad. Oh my my point is, I don't, there are times, I was watching our anger episode and I don't know that we even touched bottom of the pool with mm. where we could go with that. So I'm just going to throw it out there. That I think we're touching the now. bottom of the pool right now. I think, we, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're down the drain. We're past- Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone.